I'd now like to introduce to you Dr. Flint McLaughlin. Okay, Sarah, thank you very much. It's good to be with everyone again today. The audience just keeps growing and growing, and uh, I'm not sure why, but I'm grateful. And I appreciate when you talk to your friends about what we're doing. I think most of you know this. I don't know why I'm saying it today. It's not in my notes, but it just feels right to point out. We're just a research laboratory here. There's about 150 people working across the combined organizations, including uh, a recent acquisition. Uh, we all conduct research, trying to understand what works. Uh, when it comes to the net, marketing experiments is focused on one thing only, and that's optimizing marketing communications for the highest possible yield. And we have a topic that I think is particularly germane to that, and I want to begin to help you with that topic. And um, and I just think it's perhaps one of the most significant opportunities that I've had a chance to talk to you about when it comes to increasing your conversion. If you were to come now and get my scientists and the top people that work with our group and then anywhere else you could find optimization talent around the world, and if you were to try to optimize your current pages until you had, and you were convinced that you had, the finest possible pages that we could all produce for you, and you knew that you had conversion rates that were triple the industry standard, and yet because of recession or some other reason, you decided that you needed to improve conversion yet again, and it just wasn't possible because the best minds had done the best work, and you just couldn't see that way forward. And you were to come to me and say, well, what can I do next? I think I know the one thing you could probably try that's more or less an external type element. It exists outside of your present or your normal value proposition. This external element could likely deliver yet again a major increase. I have applied this particular element, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that when it's done right, it often yields a massive increase. The problem is, you've all heard of it, but we don't seem to do it very well. I'm talking about a concept called incentive. And uh, we're going to talk more about that as I start to kind of work through this. Um, but the topic today is how we increased email capture by 319%, finding the ideal incentive. But it's more than email. We're going to look at subscription and e-commerce. This is not about email. It's about finding the ideal incentive. And it will impact email and any other area where you're asking people to make a step or take an action on your site. The real issue is not an issue of will incentive work. It's an issue of have you found the right incentive because incentive will almost always work in a situation, and I can tell you that if you're careful today to listen and work through this with us, you might come away with something that could be worth many, many, many times uh, the amount of money you spent in recent conferences or optimization projects, and I'm not trying to make this sound all too important. It's not me or the speaking or the teaching or what we've learned. It's a concept. If you can get a hold of how incentive works, it could open your eyes to new ways to drive revenue up throughout your operation. So with that in mind, I mean, it brings us to the question, how do you find the ideal incentive? And uh, I want to look at that with you, begin to try to help you answer that question. First, I'll give you some definitions and get right into a case study. 
There is one section today that I'll especially need your help with. I have a technical section. I don't know if I should go that far or that deep with you. When I get there, I'm going to ask you to kind of let me know if you'd want me to touch that. By the time I ask the question, I think you'll have a sense as to whether or not it's, it's useful for you. Also, we're going to be asking you to vote at various points during the day, and we'll help you with that as we pull the audience and try to work through uh, what we can learn from your input that will help us to do a better job or that will help us to understand the group, what we as marketers know or don't know about this topic. So let's go with an incentive uh, definition. It is an appealing element, a component of value introduced in your process to achieve a desired action. That is our technical definition, and it's actually an important definition. We could just uh, say we all have a general sense of what incentive is and move on, but really you need to understand some of the key words there. It's a component of value. It's not the core value. Otherwise, it's not incentive. It's your primary value, and it's introduced typically in your process to achieve a desired action and often to achieve a desired sub-action. That action may not be just the purchase action. It might be the completion of credit card information or the completion of a form or additional information. What we're going to try to teach you today is based on a simple theory that you'll hear me say over and over and over again. All optimization occurs in the mind. Optimization is about controlling a sequence of thoughts taking place in the mind, and you control the sequence of thoughts using symbols and those symbols happen to be the elements of your page, your web page. What most of us probably don't know is that there's more than one value proposition on your home page. There's your main primary value proposition, but every single action you ask someone to take implies a value proposition. If I take it, what will I get in exchange? That, that mathematical uh, calculation motivated by human nature and self-interest is a strategic uh, opportunity for you to weigh or tip scales in your favor. And I'm going to talk about that as we continue. And in fact, let me show you how incentive plays in our actual index. Uh, most of you have seen our conversion index. It's a number, it's one of many formulas that we have patents or patents pending on. This index I cannot teach right now, but if you apply the elements that you see in that top formula, you can optimize a page for maximum conversion. We've taught it in other groups. We teach it in our landing page workshop and certification classes. But I want to drill down right now on I, incentive, the letter I. Incentive and friction are two elements on a page. You always have friction. Incentive helps you counter that friction, and that's very, very important. If you'll look at the diagram underneath the formula, you can see, think of your cart and your abandon and your buy. Some people continue the process, some people abandon the process. Essentially, there's a scale, there's a ledger in the mind of the potential customer. And the friction elements of your page must be offset by the incentive elements. So let's learn how to do that. If we can, you may discover a way to see sometimes double and triple-digit conversion increases. So I'm going right to a typical marketing experiments case study. In this one, we conducted a 22-day test for a computer product retailer. I would suggest you pay careful attention to this because we're going to ask you to vote in just a moment as to which incentive you think will perform best. Uh, and some of you may have seen this because I taught it in Miami at the Marketing Sherpa email summit. And if you are on this call and you happen to be a certified email, certified email messaging and you were certified there as we taught. 
then you already have seen this, and of course you'll know the answer. You probably ought to refrain from voting, but you can send me, I'm watching a Q&A that lets me know you're one of the clever people who's already achieved certification. And uh, so I think what I want to do is look at the background of this test and then get you to vote. Here we are. An email capture pop-up offered a sweepstake entry form. The prize was either a cordless keyboard and mouse or a portable MP3 player. The challenge in this test was to increase email capture through sweepstakes, and the objective was to determine the most effective incentive. I'm just going to look at this briefly and then get down to the psychology underneath it. But if you will, look on the next page, and you'll see the two things, the keyboard mouse and the MP3 player. And uh, I just was greeted by one of our clever people, already certified, and I think it's Tresia. I don't know if I pronounced it properly, but very, very good. And, uh, and also, James, some of you who perhaps have seen this before. We're going to be moving the new case studies, and we're going to be looking in retail and other areas. So stand by. You'll get a lot of new content in just a moment if you've seen this. Most of the audience, we determine based on registration, have not. Now, some of you are already voting, but before you do, may I suggest that you use the poll down at the bottom. You should be able to use the polling feature, and uh, we're going to open it for you right now and ask you to vote. All right, so the poll's been opened, and because it's opened, in just a moment, you should be able to actually vote. You should see that on the bottom of the rectangular box that appears on your page. And you can choose which one you think is best. 30, we're looking at how many of you voted. 43% of you have voted. You're fast. You're getting better and better at this. All right. The votes are almost in. 83% of you voted. Let's close out the poll by 90. There you go. And so we can continue to move. And uh, with the poll done, we're going to show you the results. So look on your screen, and you shall see that uh, 39% chose the wireless keyboard and mouse. 61% chose the MP3 player. And unlike American Idol, we're not going to take a commercial and then make you wait while we build and build and build. We're going to go right to the results. And let's look together and see what this study, the actual test results, taught us. If you look at the two tables, the first one is for the cordless keyboard and mouse incentive offer. The second one is for the uh, MP3 incentive offer. You can see 11 days compared, and you'll notice the conversion ratio, uh, the ratio and the differential. Uh, it's amazing, actually. Uh, the cordless keyboard and mouse incentive offer appealed to our audience at a conversion rate, which was 5.71% against the other the MP3 player, which was only 1.79%. And um, the moral of the story can be seen in a simple diagram. The keyboard and mouse outperformed the MP player by 319%. That is quite remarkable, and frankly, it's the reverse of what the audience voted. And don't feel bad. Most people vote wrong in the two or three times that I've tested this before. And it's really important that we think deeper than this particular case study itself. What we want to do is use this case study to raise questions that we can start to answer through some fundamental understanding of marketing principles. It's really cognitive psychology. But, in effect, there are questions that I would 
I would have having seen this. Why the keyboard mouse over the MP3 player? And how would I know in advance which one to pick if I couldn't test? Is there any indicator? And how can I actually determine if I found an incentive that works that it's actually the best incentive? Adequacy is the enemy of excellence, and you may have an incentive that's performing well, and you may be satisfied and not know that it's actually underperforming compared to the incentive you should have. You know what? I think some of us have tried incentives, and if they worked, we kept them, and if they didn't, we tried two or three more, and if that didn't work, we just gave up and moved on. I would say in almost every case, incentives, the right incentive, the ideal incentive, will drive up conversion, and if you've tried and you've stopped trying, you're probably leaving significant money on the table. So here are two principles to start us out. There's much more that we'll talk about later. Incentives must be tested. Often businesses will try one incentive and then quit, but they must be tested and you must find that incentive, that ideal incentive. And until you find the incentive that gives you a major ROI increase, you must assume you have not yet found the ideal incentive. Don't assume that incentives won't work, but consider the fact that you just haven't found the right one. Now, having said that, let's work on the principles. Let's learn together how we might understand what is the best incentive for a given offer. It doesn't matter whether this is a subscription offer. It doesn't matter whether this is a retail offer. It doesn't matter whether it has to do with a lead gen form. In every case, incentive can be useful. To do that, to calculate incentives, to understand this, you need to learn a concept that we developed in our research laboratory called perceived value differential. Now, if you have your MBA or your PhD, you probably still have not heard this term because it's a term that was developed here through our own research and uh, analysis. But PVD is the absolute key to determining the top incentive. The perceived value differential is a term which means the difference between the value as it's perceived and the cost that it actually um, was levied against you in order to generate the incentive or to offer the incentive. So there are two formulas that you can help to work with this. The first is the perceived value differential, and the second is the return on incentive. Now, I'm a little concerned. I'm afraid that in an audience this size, there are some of you right now that will get very excited and, 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 and think to yourself, okay, this is, this is something I can use and this can be helpful, but others may see these formulas and these numbers, and, and because your, your core skill in marketing is more qualitative than quantitative, you might start to tune out. Please bear with me, because before we're done, uh, we'll get this applied in a way that will be very useful for you, whether you're a mathematician or not. Uh, what I want you to understand is that those incentives which are best have a very high perceived value but a very low cost. And that when you find that, you can effectively calculate a return on incentive. And that number will tell you if this is your best incentive or whether you should keep experimenting for more. Now, I want to stop here for a moment, and I'm going to go forward and begin to teach. But I'd like to just take a few questions. I'll probably answer three questions, but is there something pressing? Am I communicating clearly? Should I move on, or can I help you with answers before I go farther? Just use your Q&A feature and, and let me know. All right. 
consensus is to move on, and I'm going to do that. One question I will answer is the cost to whom, and I mean the cost to the person offering the incentives. That would be you and I in this case. All right, so as I begin to teach this, I'm joined by a number of my staff members. One of them is uh, is Bob Kemper, who is the director of our sciences group, and he may talk with me as I start to explain certain key points because part of this is related to research that he's done with us. But let's, first of all, work on perceived value differential. Remember, we talked about two things, return on incentive and perceived value differential. I'd like to explain the first one. PVD is used to select which among multiple incentives to test. Now, a high PVD, which is what you want, is predicated upon two elements from the marketing experiment's optimization sequence. We always say that you have to optimize the product, the presentation, and the channels, and that's what that square box and that formula means. We also say that optimizing the product will get you the highest return next the presentation and next the channels, which is the opposite of how most of us approach tasks. Right now, I don't want to teach the formula, but I do want to talk about product and presentation. That's the PR and the PRN in that formula. When you want to have a high perceived value differential, you must capitalize on two concepts. The first is product, and the second is presentation. Now, let me try to move from my notes and give you an example. And I will in just a moment kind of show you a slide, but let me just give you an example that might make sense of this. Let's go back to the earlier piece. If someone perceives that the keyboard and mouse is a $99 value and that the – but in fact, the actual cost of the keyboard and mouse for you is $14.95, you have a high PVD. On the other hand, if someone perceives that an MP3 player was made in Asia uh, and is probably a $19.95 knockout because they don't know if it's a high-quality brand. That they, if it was an Apple iPod, it would be completely different in terms of perception, but it would also be different in terms of cost. It would cost you a lot. The, 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 the real issue here is that they might think that the MP3 player is, is likely not worth that much, and at the same time, it might be that your cost is only 4.95, but less people respond because they don't value it any higher than 19.95, and you have a problem. Now the question is, well, how do I fix the problem? Well, the first thing is selecting the product, but the other, and that's the two bullet points here, the other is how you present it. And presentation can have a huge impact on the value perception. So we're going to learn about that. Let's go to the next slide. There are several things in the presentation. Forget the product right now. Forget that you have some products which are inherently more likely to have a high PVD, and just think about how you talk about them. Market price for comparable items, as it's perceived in the environment like the net, will have a huge impact on what people think about the value of this product. Is We all know, for instance, what an iPod generally is going to cost, depending on which model. We have a range in mind. The name. The name of the product is very important. Let's assume that it's not a major brand. The name is very important, and you've got to choose a category, not just a product, but a product category that has a high perceived value, and then choose precisely the right name if you are able to name it, particularly if it's a digital offering, an ebook, etc. The description is very important. 
And this is also interesting, proximity, what it's located near. If it's somewhere else on your site or there's somewhere else you can establish the, the value. Then there is packaging. And packaging is another issue. The loose DVD versus the product in a box makes a huge difference. And design, all of these are about how you present. And those things, those things kick up that perceived aspect of perceived value differential. So keeping that in mind, let's look at an example, and I'm going to ask you a question. In front of you, you should see two products. Tell me which incentive has a higher PBD. All right. I'm opening the poll. Let's vote. Which one, the jacket or the watch? Which has a higher perceived value differential? All right. 24 voted. 30% have voted. Keep voting. Keep voting. Sixty-one percent. Faster, people, faster. Seventy-six. We're getting ready to close the poll in about five seconds. Close it, John. Five, four, three. All right. Now, let's see how you voted. All right. So, according to my marketing audience, 65% of you believe it's the jacket. 35% of you believe it's the watch. Um, I do not deliberately do what I'm going to show. Uh, let's calculate perceived value and get get an answer to this, but this is not a trick question, and I, I want to help you understand how the scientists at marketing experiments would determine which incentive to use, and I'm going to get granular to do this with you for just a moment, but I think it's worthwhile, so uh, bear with me as we do, and John, keep scrolling down this uh, question so I can see the questions coming in if there's any. Alright, here we go. Let's Go to the next slide, and let's talk about calculating this. All right, there it is as it appears on a page. By the way, this is a mock-up. This is an optimization mock-up, and it's, it's purely a, uh, a study or an example for you. This is not exactly the way that the offer is handled by the, the brand that's mentioned here. We use this to determine how we would help them if we were calculating PVD based on our approach and our formulas. All right. So look there for just a moment. The, the fleece jacket's perceived value is $50, and our net delivered cost is $10. So let's do a little math calculation. 50 minus 10 equals 40. So what is the perceived value differential audience? I can't hear you, but I'm hoping that right now you're, you're, you're at least mentally agreeing with me, class. It's $40. All right? That's simple enough. Let's go to the next page. Now, let's look at the sports watch. The perceived value is $90. Now, hold on a second. You say to me, but is it really $90? Because, frankly, look at the watch. We know what digital watches cost today, and we could argue that it's really not $90. However, this same watch was featured at that price in close proximity all around this offer, and that's why we can establish its perceived value at 90. We could argue that it's not 90 despite all of that, and I'd be open to that, but in reality, everything around the site and, and uh, substantiates this particular watch at this cost, and there's no place to get it cheaper. Net delivered cost is a lot higher 
than the fleece jacket. You may recall the jacket was $10, but the net delivered cost here is 24 90 minus 24 is 66 That's the simple calculation. That's simply the perceived value minus the net delivered cost. 90 minus 24 equals 66. So what you need to understand, the watch could be an ideal incentive for this offer due to its higher perceived value, provided both products are equally desirable. And that's very important because the desire could make a big difference. And somebody is correcting the math of our sciences team. 90 minus 24, would you all like to do that? calculation and and Bob Kemper as the director of sciences I'm tasking you with working with our supercomputer to tell me if that's correct <laughs> and uh, and let's let's move on and keep learning together all right so here's the key point maximizing perceived value differential PVD will drive the biggest difference between your net revenue and your net delivered cost and what that really means is the difference between how much money you gross and and uh, what it actually costs you to gross that extra money due to the incentive. Everyone following me there? All right, so let's drill down deeper. I'm going to show you another case study, and and I'm afraid that this is the section where I might lose you because I have about four slides where we get deeper calculating ROIC, return on incentive. After that, we take you to a case study and illustrate. Would you please take a moment to use your feedback in the Q&A and tell me if you vote for the more uh, sophisticated, a little bit deeper calculations that I have next? I can move past them or I can continue. All right? I'm getting deeper. I'm watching. Keep going. I want to see a good representation. Now, if you voted simple or move past, would you please bear with me because I have two of you that have said that and the rest of the many hundreds that are on the phone have said to continue and to go deeper. I'm going to do that, but if if you voted for the other, just stand by. We'll get through these slides fast, and I'll make this very clear for you with an actual case study and examples. And I kind of saved what I think is the most interesting case study uh, for last. So with that in mind, we need to talk about the other formula. Remember we talked about perceived value differential? Now we want to talk about ROIC, return on incentive. Now, honestly, most of us have never thought through our incentive to this degree, and we just should. If you will, you can make more money. And it looks complicated, but it's really not complicated at all. So the first thing is uh, is calculating the total ROIC, and the second is calculating the percent ORC. And you can do either one. And I'm going to let Bob Kipper just take a moment and tell us why you might use one or the other but we will only teach you one formula right now. Bob, just for clarification, could you just briskly tell us that? Sure, I'd be glad to. I'm sorry for the delay. I was, uh, the supercomputer was still calculating that uh, 90 minus 24, uh, and I think I have the answer. <laughs> All right. Good. 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 Um, talk um, about the differential. Sure. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, the two ways to compute uh, ROIC um, are – um, the ROIC total, the total uh, dollar value, and the percent ROIC. Um, the reasons why you might do one or the other is, uh, uh, you know, mainly, of course, most of the time our objective is to uh, maximize the total profit. And, you know, that's what the total ROIC measures. 
Um, however, the, the incentive offer um, that maximizes total ROIC may involve higher uh, perceived value items that also come with a correspondingly higher net delivered cost. And if you combine that with the need to, say, uh, if you had to pre-order items or, or uh, had other actions that require a substantial cash outlay, um, then that may not be the, uh, the ideal uh, incentive for your business uh, in your current situation. So, um, you know, if, uh, if cash flow allows you, you uh, generally most of us would want to use total ROIC. Um, if, uh, if your cash situation doesn't allow that, then you may want to use um, the percent ROIC. And here the focus is on efficiency or, or the rate of return uh, for the incentive. And the biggest difference is uh, you know, between what you want to do is uh, maximize the difference between the return amount and the net delivered cost of, uh, of each item in, uh, in the incentive itself. Now, now bear with me then. So one will tell you how you, you know the one the first one helps you capture how much money this incentive is making, and the second one talks about its impact on your cash flow, uh, and and it can be helpful in those terms. I know that we can't teach all of that now. I want you to know that these exist. We do teach them in other things. Um, but I want to drill down on the main one that most of you need right now with a real example and walk it through, and then we're going to look at a case study. So here is an actual situation. This is a, uh, a company, Wine Expedition. I hope you can see it on your screen yet. By the way, if I've gone a little fast or if the next section goes fast, remember, we're going to send you out. Every one of you are subscribers to the journal, and we'll send you the briefing out with all of this in our, in our, by email, so you'll be able to review these things and take more time with them. So what's the incentive? Somebody tell me the incentive quickly. Use your, use your screen and just type in what's the incentive on this page. Some people don't recognize. There it is. Yeah, it takes a minute sometimes to see it. By the way, it's poorly optimized. The page itself could be improved dramatically, but the incentive is a 10% discount. You're absolutely right. Now, how do we estimate the total return on this incentive? Have you ever been there? Have you ever discounted your product and then wondered, wait a second, am I losing more money uh, than, I, than, than, I'm actually, than I actually think? Yes, I've got a few more sales, but what's the actual cost of this discount in the long run? That's what we're going to calculate right now. So, so let's go to an actual example. And I may have Bob help me on some of this as I go through, if he may have input. Bob, I'll start and let you jump in as you need to or to bring clarity. Okay? Okay. So look with me for just a moment at the, at the detailed slide in front of you. The incentive resulted, that 10% discount resulted in a 300-order increase. Now, that meant you went from 700 orders to 1,000 orders. That 10% discount uh, made a big difference. We also happen to know that the, the, the first order value with this is $88, and your product profit margin is 40%. So what do we do next? Well, we're going to take those three things, the return on incentive and the net profit impact from the incentive, which you probably don't – that may not be clear yet, but when, in a minute it will be, and the net delivered cost. And let's look at that. So look down at the bottom of the page in the blue formula. And we're calculating something for just a moment, all right? We want to calculate the, the, the actual – see the P dollar sign in? That's the net profit impact. We have three steps, and these slides are going to show it. Here's the first step. Let's figure out 
the net profit uh, impact of offering incentive. Now, before we show it to you, what you're trying to figure out is what was the how much more money did I make by offering the 10% discount? That is the question that you're answering. And with that question in mind, let's look here. The net profit impact was 300 orders, an additional 300 orders, and we know they were $88 each on average, and we had a 40% margin. So we can see that we had an extra $10,560, and that would be the amount that coordinates with what we see there where it says ROIC equals net profit impact, that blue P dollar sign N. All you need to know is we just figured out we just figured out how much more money we made by offering incentive, at least in terms of profit margin. Bob, would you add to any of that? Do you think that's clear? Um, yes, other than, than just uh, reiterating that uh, the net profit impact uh, from the incentive uh, is, the, uh, is the profit amount um, but does not include the cost of uh, offering the incentive, and that's what we're going to get to next. That's right. So that will answer some of the questions that have come in. Uh, you're asking me what about the discount, and we're going to talk about that on the next slide or two. So just watch as we go through. All right. So here is the next thing. Now we have to calculate that other that other uh, variable on the right side of the equal sign, and that's the dollar sign in or the net delivered cost. What did it cost us to deliver this incentive? So here's what we do. We we have the same math that we started with before. Except now we know that we have a total of a thousand orders times eighty-eight dollars times ten percent, and because of that ten percent discount, we actually lost money. In a sense, we 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 gave up eighty-eight hundred dollars. So, the the impact of the discount, the net delivered, the, the, the impact is eighty-eight hundred. And now we got to figure out: well, then was it worth it? And that's what we're going to do with the final calculation, and I'll take you to the case study. So hang in there. So now we can finish this little calculation. It's quite simple. Well, we know that the net profit impact, that means the extra sales in terms of profit, the money we made, the extra profit, because of the 10% discount was 10560 We also know that the actual loss from offering the discount is 8800 That's the net delivered cost. We just do a simple subtraction, and we realize that we yielded, we netted, we gained $1,760 from offering this incentive. Bob, would you add anything to that? Uh, no, no, other than, um, you know, once again, clarifying that um, uh, we, we teach this process in detail in the, uh, in the landing page optimization certification course and do more examples, and and the, the biggest confusion on this kind of example in ROIC is typically the why is it um, uh, why is it 300 on the P dollar N and why are we using a thousand on the uh, on the C dollar N um, and and the uh, the reason for that is that um, on the P dollar N we're getting 300 additional orders and and the profit on 300 additional orders so that's the increment but um, everybody. Who orders during this offer? All thousand. We went from 700 to 1,000. So on the cost side, um, everybody gets a 10% discount, and that's why it's 300 on the on the profit impact side, and it's a thousand uh, because we um, we take the impact of all orders, not just the 300 increase. So aside from now, that, um, that's it. 
That's right. And, and it's important to understand we're going to move on, but then I'd have to back up and say, okay, well, then is it really worth it? And one of you have written into me just now and said, but think about the average lifetime value. You, your real gain may be much higher with this community of new customers that you've just won. Other than that, I would stop and ask myself, well, then how good was this 10% discount? And I'd probably come back with this answer, not as good as another high-value offer that I could find. Offering cash discounts is often not nearly as effective because you can never get the same kind of high perceived value differential. 10% is 10%. It's not going to really give you any high PVD. It's just a, it, 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 it's just a flat integer with no opportunity for you to cash in on the difference between perception and reality. I prefer an item that I can offer with a high perceived value but a low cost. And let's talk about that. We're going to move through some slides, and I'm going to get practical with another case study for you. This is the same formula applied to subscriptions, and we'll send that out to you. But you can apply this to subscriptions in the same way. And I want to take you to this test. I need you to think about this one because um, I'm going to try to get your input on this next test as we go forward also. So imagine, imagine that we performed a 37-day. This test surprised me, by the way. Here we performed a 37-day ABC split test. That's really, in technical terms, single factorial test with three treatments, A, B, and C, A being the two treatments, A being the control, and B, being, being the, uh, B and C being the treatments. Here is our question. Which offer page, A, B, or C, will provide the highest conversion? We had other questions like how will incentives impact this conversion and where should they be placed? So we were trying to increase conversion by finding the ideal incentive. And both the control, that's the original page, and the treatment, Number one, provide an incentive on the offer page. But there was more. Let's look at these. This is an actual taste, a test with real results. Watch this and learn. Here was the first. This is the control. We offered this book, Freakonomics, in my color. And uh, we offered it right there in proximity. As you can see, optimized page. You'll recognize the standard marketing experiments optimized button. Look at the text above it, activate your free trial, and receive a free copy of the New York Times bestseller, Freakonomics. Good headline, good button, good form field. This was the control that we had developed over time. Now let's look at what we tested against it. In this one, it was activate your free trial and receive your own investment research kit. Now, it's kind of neat because we had to blow it up for you right now. Uh, but it was a nice detailed incentive. The investment kit included 12-page company report on Google, uh, a letter from the, the celebrity that was involved, and the getting started guide, and 20% off profile reports. You can see it better here. They see the free investment research kit and offer very close, right down here, uh, at, near the button, near the decision point. Now, also, you can see that they saw the New York Times bestseller incentive on the checkout page in treatment two. So you have this and you have this. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. In effect, and I know it's not precisely clear, but if you look now, it'll get very clear. We had three incentives offers. The first was the New York Times bestseller book. The second was the research investment kit. In the third test, we combined them. We offered them the, the New York Times bestseller on the actual 
you know, the, the, the cart page as a bonus surprise. So they actually got two incentives, the kit plus the book in the third treatment. That would be C. What I'd like to ask you to do now is vote. I'm going to open the poll up. Tell me which page performed the best. Which page performed the best? I'm sorry. Well, which page, which means really which, which treatment? The New York Times bestseller, which incentive? The research investment kit or the offer that had both? These are not trick questions, by the way. So I'm going to let you vote. You're almost done. All right, 74% of you have voted. A few more. And we're going to close out the poll. So let's see what you chose, and let's see our results. Some of you, 33% thought the combined offer, 16% thought it was the investment kit, 51% thought it was the New York Times bestseller. Um, before I show you the numbers, take your chat feature or your, I'm sorry, your Q&A feature and tell me right now, those of you that voted for the invest, the combo, tell me why the combo. Because number three has the book as a surprise, says Kim. It's broken into two steps, says Jan. Jan, it's good to see you on here again. I see you repeatedly. We appreciate your trust. Uh, two items, says James. That's why better exposure, says Rob. Both, says Chris. Uh, all of those are good answers. All right. A large percentage of the audience chose this single book, larger than any percentage of my audience I've ever had before that I can recall. 51% of you thought the book would perform best. Tell me why you chose the book only as opposed to the others. One item is easier. Research investment kit has no perceived value. Strongest, clear, easy to submit. Simple, seem more straightforward, says high perceived value, says Bob. It gets a person to the checkout pace, nicer looking ad, less confusion. All right. Well, let's just see what we discovered. So we're going to go to the data set. What do we see now? Looking at the data. First of all, the standalone New York Times best-selling book performed best at 1.28%. It's one of the few times, or it's the only time today, that the marketing audience has got it right. Congratulations. But frankly, I might have chosen treatment two, the free book and free investment kit, if they were performed right, if they were done right. The problem is the investment kit has very low perceived value differential. And I would have likely tested this by flipping them and offering the book first to get more people through to the car. And if I was trying to understand this, I'd like to know where they leaked at. Did we actually lose them on the combined offer? Did we lose them on the second page? So follow my logic for a moment. I haven't even, I haven't even explained this to the scientist team. But what I would question is, did we actually lose them when we started out by showing them the investment kit on the page so they never clicked through to the cart with an intention to buy, and so most of them didn't even see the combination of the book and the cart? My thing would be, if I use the investment kit at all, to flip it and promote the book first on the first part of the order down there by that first button, and then when they get to the next page, offer them the extra kit as an added bonus. 
Now, let me just teach you something for a moment that will save you a lot of grief, and I was just teaching it this past week, and it's very important if you're trying to figure out your own incentives. Never use an incentive that requires you to actually have to sell its value at the same time you're trying to sell the primary offer. If the incentive is not immediately under clear and its value not immediately clear, do not waste your time trying to sell the value of the incentive so you can sell the value of the primary offer, and I see it all over the web. We, we choose some incentive that we know is low cost and perhaps we can try to talk into high value, and so we end up trying to sell two things on the same page. And if you have to sell your incentive to sell your primary offer, you've conflated objectives and you're going to mitigate conversion. I'm going to risk something. It's not in my notes. I'm going to show you a landing page that we just built. I tried to show it to you last week. John, I'm probably going to need you. Um, I know that we're offering this, but if you would please just not think of this as uh, shameless promotion. Uh, it, I just I worked on this page myself. I think it's www Sherpa Store. Is that it? Sherpa Store. You know we own Marketing Sherpa. SherpaStore.com forward slash workshop. I want you to show. I want to show you a landing page and show you where we have this problem and how we've tried to address it right now. So let's look at our live landing page. This has only been up a week. I, I worked with our team on this landing page to write it. It's, it's this workshop, all right? So without getting too deep into it, there is something that we have here that we're trying to figure out how to put in order. You have the savings for the early bird discount, which you guys are used to that with events, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an incentive. You, you're, you're getting three items in here, and I, I won't go through the items, but they're all three high value. But the thing with the most value is what concerned me. Look at this, look in the red box down here. This is actually an incentive. Look, plus at no additional charge, your landing page from the workshop will be personally reviewed by an optimization expert for marketing experiments. Now, we know how valuable that is, and it's video and commentary and screenshots, but the problem is, in the beginning offer page that I looked at, this was promoted right at the top in a big way, and I thought to myself, I know how valuable it is, but I don't think the audience is. They're going to come in here, and they're going to see a workshop. They're going to see landing page, think summit, think conference. But to try and explain landing page analysis as a separate product, there's no established value in their mind for this. They didn't order one of these three months ago. So you end up having to explain it. And if you explain it at the front part when you're trying to sell what it is you're offering, what you're liable to do is mitigate the very sell itself. So the key is we add it, but truly we understate, deliberately understate its value because I believe if we try to demonstrate its true value, we're actually going to cut into the primary dialogue taking place in this sequence of thoughts that move linear through this page. Now, I, I have very little time left. But I think the point that I'm trying to make is that if you have tried incentives and they have not worked, you probably haven't tried the right incentives. And I think that that if you have an incentive and it's working reasonably well, you probably still haven't found the right incentive because the right incentive will have a massive impact on conversion and you do not want to settle for a secondary uh, in terms of performance, a secondary incentive. The, the, the net result of what we're teaching you is that you need to look for high perceived value differential, PVD, and that you 
you will need to, at some point, calculate ROIC, the return on incentive, to see if it's really your best opportunity. I would suggest for you that when you're looking for incentives in a retail site, go into your site and study all the search activity. What are they asking for on your site? Then think about the search terms they use to actually find you, even if you're not retail. Suppose you're a subscription site or, or demand gen. One of the things in lead gen that we're missing is we don't use incentives properly. If you use them wrong when you're doing lead generation, you'll get leads that aren't qualified. If you get them, use them right, you'll actually get more qualified leads. And the trick is relating the nature of the incentive to the core of the offering that you're going to get them after you take the lead and, and bring it over to your sales group. I have a few moments left. Would you like to ask questions? Here, here are some coming in right now. So let me just take a few of these in the last few minutes. I want to pack as much value as I can into this time to try and help you. So someone said, I didn't, there is an ideal incentive. Yes, there is an ideal incentive, and it's the one that has the highest PVD, the highest perceived value differential. Someone says, how can we increase perceived value of services? Well, it actually follows the same principles. Number one, have these services. Actually, you remember the landing page I showed you? That landing page analysis is, is, is offered as a product, but it's really a service, right? What we did is we are building a landing page specifically for that service because we do offer that service, but people don't find that on our, on our website, and we want them to be able to click and go there and see it and see its value separate from this page so it doesn't conflate the sell. And I would say the same for you when you've got a service. You need to establish it with third-party credibility, or you need to use comparison tables and charts. But one of the most effective ways to use incentive with services is to offer some tangible that's connected with the service that they receive, particularly if you're in a demand gen funnel and you're trying to generate a lead that you can respond to. All right, our time is almost up. More questions coming in. Someone said, can you just tell me how to calculate perceived value incentive without the number? Uh, you, you're really asking this question. What does it feel like? What does it seem to be worth to, the, to my prospect? And what does it really cost me? That's the bottom line. That's what you're calculating. All right. I am out of time. I hope you found today helpful. I'd love if you could take a few moments to give us feedback. I was a little concerned that it might be a little bit too deep. I'm watching to see if you've hung in here for these calls. Um, the bottom line is uh, we're very grateful for your trust. We know you've invested a precious hour. We have worked so hard to get information here that we thought could be helpful for you. And if you'll take a few moments, use your Q&A and talk to us. Tell us if you found this helpful and, uh, and any thoughts or suggestions. Every single one, every single one is downloaded it's printed, put in report, and I review it every single Monday. I think it's 4 o'clock. All your comments were broken into categories so I can learn from what you're saying. I appreciate your work, and especially Peg Davis, who worked on this, and Hunter Boyle, our, our managing editor, who worked on this, the sciences team, and you're going to be receiving uh, the briefing uh, that will actually lay out for you all this information so you can take time to meditate and reflect on it. Thank you so much. We'll be back again in two days, two weeks, with uh, more information. If anything you can do to help us, if you found this valuable, tell a friend. I would be grateful for that. And you have a lovely afternoon.